The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 141. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where I talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today, we are discussing the 11th and 12th episodes of Season 7, Evolutions, Parts 1 and 2. Teal'c and Braytac are visiting a planet with massacred Jaffa everywhere. They find a dying Gould who believes that he was betrayed by the system lord, Ramius. They are attacked by a strange alien warrior who seems impervious to their weapons but is finally killed by Teal'c with a zat. They bring the body back to the SGC, and Sam and Jacob do an autopsy. They discover that he is a genetic creation brought to life by a ghouled symbiote. They also find that the warrior died because of a heart attack, and not because of the zat. They also discover that it was created by sarcophagus technology, which is based on ancient technology. Selmak says that if they can find the original device, perhaps the Toker can create a weapon against these new warriors. Dr. Daniel Jackson remembers some research his grandfather did about the Fountain of Youth. Very conveniently, I might add. And they surmise Anubis created the warriors called the Kull by recreating the original ancient device using knowledge he obtained while he was ascended. Daniel travels with Dr. Bill Lee to Honduras, where, according to Ballard's research, Talchak's temple should lie. They find a guide and find the temple and, after some Indiana jonesing, find the device. This all goes south when they are captured by a guerrilla group and held for ransom. The guerrillas torture Daniel and Lee and activate the device after Lee cracks. The device causes them to feel incredibly powerful, but also go insane, killing each other. Meanwhile, Jack travels to Honduras to rescue Daniel and Lee, where he meets with Burke, an operative from Jack's special ops days. On Tartarus, Jacob infiltrates Anubis's base with Teal'c and Carter, and discovers an army of Kool and Ghoul and a Gold Queen breeding program. Back on Earth, Daniel and Lee escape the rebel camp as Jack and Burke take down the remaining rebels. Jacob, Sam, and Teal'c detonate the explosive, explosives, damaging Anubis's base, and Jack rescues Daniel and Lee from the gorillas. A lot going on in this episode. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this episode, Lisa? Gosh, it, it was okay. You know, it's not one of my favorites. I don't hate it. I, I guess I kind of wish it had been two separate episodes. If you had all of the running around in South America as or Central America as one, and then um, the going to fight the super soldiers as the second and getting all of that, you know, where you have uh, Braytac and Teal'c. And I guess they all wouldn't have had as much to do, but I don't know. It some something about it just didn't work for me, and I guess that's what we're going to discuss is figure out why I have trouble with this, these episodes. But, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of running around. Lots of running around, and, <laughs> yeah, and pointless like old Jack friends, enemies that are friends. Like, 
was Mayborn not available? Irk. Like, what were we doing? <laughs> yeah, I had to go back and check on the wiki to make sure we hadn't seen him before because they bring him up like we should know who he is. And yeah, he's like, he's like, it, which, it, this feels like a role created for Mayborn, and then he wasn't there. Exactly, which I couldn't find online if that happened, but that's exactly what I thought about too. Yeah. What about you, Victor? I, yeah, we'll do a little uh, Stargate therapy here uh, and find <laughs> out what the, what the, uh, what, what's, what's keeping Lisa from liking this episode. No, I, I like this episode. It's these, this pair of episodes. I mean, it's, it's what I watch Stargate for. You know, there, there's running around finding artifacts. There's, um, you know, good guest stars. There's, you know, funny guest stars. We get Braytac and um, Jacob Selmak, you know, in the same episode, which I think we've only seen once before. And they stick around for both episodes. There's lots of really good Jacob humor, Braytac humor. And I really like uh, Burke, Jack's old uh, frenemy from his special ops days. And from the from the commentary, I mean, they they wrote that as a new character. They didn't mention that you know Mayborn was who was who they had in mind, but it was just somebody who was supposed to have this history with Jack. And you know, you found out you, you know something went wrong, and then over the course of the episode, you and Jack find out you know what that is. And it's he's played by um, Enrico Colantoni, so one of my favorite. Uh, I wouldn't even say character actor because he's so versatile. From you know Galaxy Quest. He was just finishing up Just Shoot Me when this was filmed. Uh, and right before he went into, I think, Veronica Mars, where he played he played the dad on Veronica Mars. So, And then, you know, more, more recently on uh, Person of Interest and stuff. So he's one of my favorite actors uh, when he appears, just because he's, he's so much fun to watch, uh, no matter what role he's in. Yeah, I did really like his character, how he was zany, but also where, he were, where you were not sure if he was entirely all there. He played, he played that really well. <laughs> yeah, been out in the in the sun off the too long, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked this episode or these two episodes. It kind of just feels like one episode because it basically is just chopped yeah. into two parts, but mm -hmm. I thought it did it did a good balance of you have like the main there's not even like an A plot and a B plot cuz I feel like both stories are given equal weight. And like you said, Lisa, I feel like they could have, you could have taken either one and made it its own separate episode, but I think it works well having them interlaced together because they are interrelated. And I thought that the the plot with Daniel and Lee was a nice contrast to the plot we get with Carter and Selmak and Jacob and uh, mm -hmm. Braytac because you get like the space adventure action espionage thing and then you get something that I feel like we haven't really seen in Stargate before, like... I mean, you get it a little bit, but like going deep into the jungle and then everything goes wrong. Like it was, it was nice and refreshing. It's yeah. like a MacGyver I, episode almost. Yeah. yeah. I like that you called it like Indiana Jones. Like I did think about that, that they're, I mean, that they're escaping it, yeah. through the tunnel and there's water and the tunnel's narrow and you know, it's like, oh no, it's booby trapped or there's something going to happen. And they even do the thing where they lift up the device and it triggers the thing yeah. it's like you got to get the bag of sand yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> and there's and there's tomb raider puzzles that they have to solve because you know they're according to myth you know all water flows towards the device and so they're mm -hmm. down in the tomb and there's no there's no doors there's no buttons to push but then daniel figures out that if he pours the water on the floor the water will run towards the device down through the cracks in the floor and and stuff and, and they're able to get it out that way 
But uh, we we do get the return of Bill Dow, speaking of guest stars, as, as Dr. Mm-hmm. Lee, who we'll see a, a lot more of in future seasons in, in Atlantis and uh, as well. And, you know, what is he a doctor of? Uh, you know, as, as Peter DeLuise mentioned on the commentary, he's a doctor of whatever we need him to be that week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he's a doctor of ancient gate technology. Sometimes he's a doctor of, you know, astrophysics. And it's basically whatever they... Because the I think the writers and and the you know producers and directors on the show just liked the actor so much they just mm-hmm. wanted to bring him back as as often as they could. Nice. Did anyone else find it odd that they're like I'm going to send we're going to send two people down to Honduras to look for old ruins and traipse through the woods and 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 discover this a device and we're going to send I don't know who should we send Oh Daniel Jackson and Doctor Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else think that was a little weird? <laughs> maybe somebody, maybe if they sent like, you know, a military type, it would attract attention. But, but, but they At are in good. one, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> no, they're in good hands. So they have a guide that they, uh-huh. uh, that they find at the, um, yeah. So, so all of the Honduras scenes were actually filmed in the same nature preserve in Vancouver that, hmm. um, that the show is filmed in. They just got very lucky in that it was sunny. Uh, you know, the days that they were filming there and they, they dress the setup, you know, with the building, the cantina building is actually kind of like the, one of the buildings for like, I guess they have a rifle ranger did on, on the preserve or something. And that's kind of like one of the main range buildings there. But um, yeah, we get uh, Zach Santiago as uh, Rogelio, the, the guide who works at the uh, cantina and, and then offers to help them find, find temples. And so, yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. He doesn't stick around very long though, because he's quickly shot by the uh, by the rebels and was supposed to be killed. But I think it was Robert C. Cooper who said, you know, we're paying him anyways. In the next episode, you know, they find his body lying there. He's like, we're paying him anyways. We, he's a good character. We might as well have him not be killed. And so hmm. that's how we get him not being dead uh, in the next episode. So when Jack comes down. To Honduras afterwards and is talking to the waiter. I, I don't think I was late. I wasn't like looking at the screen as he was talking to him. And for a minute, I thought like, wait, it's the same guy because he has like the same kind of beard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's the same guy. Is he in on it? Is he like leading people into the woods and faking getting shot so they can take him? But no, that wasn't that. I, I think it might have been his brother with the with the truck. But you notice in the first canteen scene, as they're talking to to Rogelio, you know, you can see the the main bad guy there, um, Rafael. Mm-hmm in the background surrounded by, you know, groupies and stuff. And then they, they do show him in the, uh, in the scene kind of like looking evilly as, as Dr. Lee pulls out his wad of bills and starts paying. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Not the brightest move. Yeah. Although I, I do, it, there's a lot of humor in this episode too, where, where they're yeah. looking for the, they're looking for the the temple and, you know, Daniel's yelling at them to, to, to look around. And in, in the background, we see Dr. Lee suddenly just di- disappear straight down. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, say found it and stuff. And, you know, that was his. <laughs> and I think he stunt. said, I found it, didn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that was his, uh, that was his stunt for the, well, until the water started filling up and then he had to, you know, come out of the pool of water yeah. and stuff. And we completely skipped over the the initial uh, kicking off for everything that's happening in the mm-hmm. episode is with uh, the new uh, the I think they're called the Cole Warriors. Yeah, not to be confused with the Crawl Warriors. <laughs> yeah, it's not. This is not a young young Liam Neeson. So. No, 
<laughs> with a very impractical uh, weapon. The glaive. <laughs> so yeah, it's the, he just kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's. I've got to say that the first thing I thought of when I saw it was a uh, Power Rangers. It's a very Power Ranger <laughs> yeah. kind of outfit. It look, looks like a motorcycle rider with a huge cod piece or something. I wasn't going to mention that, but yeah. Yeah, everybody mentions it, so it's okay. Shades of uh, shades of David Bowie and uh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Oh, no. <laughs> but with, with, with fewer hand magic. Although he does have a, have a hand, like an arm weapon, which is kind of yeah. neat. And um, yeah, so he's... He's he massacres all Jaffa and and Teal can he you know he beats up Braytech and Braytech's like oh no we're doomed and then Teal mm-hmm. like blasts him but that doesn't stop him and then he's like uh, and dies suddenly of uh, some sort of myocardial infraction or something right yeah and Teal's like oh I I did that yeah I did I'm so great I know because you're thinking wait all of these Jaffa and Gould went up against this super soldier and Teal just magically. Knocks, kills him. Okay. He, he knocked his health points down enough that he was able to <laughs> get the uh, boss weakness. There you go. We just drained his electrolytes or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So I did love it when they determined he really didn't die of yeah. Tilk's weapon. That was nice touch. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Just a heart attack. Because he's a genetically engineered, uh, basically host body that's all that's grafted into this armor suit and they haven't really perfected it yet and it's made with sarcophagus technology and it's kind of it's kind of a alpha version of this but i do really like the the makeup and like the yeah. effects they did mm-hmm. like when they pull the mask off and it's mm-hmm. like grafted into his body and he's got like no mouth and it's like this nasty translucent skin like that was some good body horror yeah yeah, this sound is like they pull off the the mask and stuff, and that was uh, Dan Payne, uh, who's one of their their stunt you know people as and and he look you know when when he's lying on the slab he has to lie completely motionless can't breathe, and I was like is that a mannequin? But that apparently was the stunt performer laying there while they were all talking, not breathing. For like oh, 90 seconds and then gasping for air through this horrible mask that only had like a very small. Like breathing hole and then oh. and then stopping again while they continue down with the scene, but yeah, it's very creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a good job with that for sure. Yeah, later on we see the living one and it's got like these milky eyes that mm-hmm. can't really yeah. see, and then it can kind of talk, but it's you can tell it's not really designed for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I liked how creepy it was. I don't, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the armor on the outside, but the internals look really cool. And I like that they they gave us the live one at where mm-hmm. they interacted with him. That was, I mean, that was a nice touch because usually it's just, oh, look, it's a dead one. Let's figure it out, dissect it, you know, whatever. But they, they, they went through the effort of, does it talk? Does it not? It has a home planet. The, the little... Oh gosh, memory device thing that they stuck on its forehead, which Oh Mortocratech. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to see they still have some of those laying around, right? Just just in case. Yeah. We, we did, give you the thought visualizer. <laughs> yeah. Visualize your memory, and that's usually where they start the clip show. It's like, oh remember that's when right. You're like, what clip show are we getting now? <laughs> yeah. The call clip show. 
Yeah, and I did like that scene because I feel like if someone stuck that on my head to try to figure out my home planet, they wouldn't get any usable information. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got to have a good memory. That is an interesting thought. Like, someone sticks that on you. Wouldn't your first thing just be like horror or all the things that could go wrong or anxiety or, you know, all, you know, and instead it's like immediately, oh, you want to know this? Okay. It would have been funny if we'd gotten like Call Warrior's first birthday and his like <laughs> yeah. his call dad teaching him how to ride a bike and then his first call girlfriend and his first kiss. And I mean, granted, he's only been alive for what, three weeks or something. Mm, what but, a short clip yeah, show. Yeah. It's the inside of a microwave spinning around and then beeping because he's ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but capturing him was, was a was a bit of a hassle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see. The like, because I feel like they they kind of had to do this because the gold have become too easy to knock down, and so it's nice to see that Anubis is act is coming across as actually formidable, and he has these elite foot soldiers. Yeah, it's yeah. not you're right because after all these seasons, and the gold aren't really a super threat anymore. So how do we make Anubis? How do we make the gold bad again? Mm-hmm. or hard or difficult or a challenge and so yeah so the arc of this which is not over you know is is nice yeah they just create a bullet sponge enemy pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah and i like that their whole plan is because he's got these impenetrable shields that energy weapons can't affect they they plan on shooting him full of tranquilizing darts and then mm-hmm. when they actually execute the plan it doesn't work <laughs> And he just like, he just decimates them. And then you have Jack and several other guys just like sitting there and he just does the cool guy walk past them and doesn't even look at them. Mm-hmm. After, just, yeah. Just after to drive it home. Being shot with, you know, high caliber rifle rounds blown up with, you know, claymores and C4 explosives. And yeah, it doesn't even bother with Braytech who's just like laying there watching him walk by <laughs> because his mission is to kill Ramus, right? So, yep. Mm-hmm. But I like the way that they created them and they investigate where they came from and how they're built, but they tied it all in really well to the Stargate universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me, I didn't feel like, you know, oh, that's not believable. Or they just, oh, here's just one more thing they pulled out of thin air. So I like the way in the second episode, the way it's all tied together. That was nice. Yeah, it's they built upon the lore because they use the sarcophagus, they use the gold. It, it's all technology that makes sense within the world. Mm-hmm. And I did like uh, because Daniel had that stint with uh, being addicted to the sarcophagus. He's very hesitant to touch the device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally see it. Yeah, and yeah, that was funny. And yeah, and that segues into yeah episode episode two. Um, where, you know, they've, they've found the home world that the, the calls live on. They, they know how to get there. There's a Stargate on it, uh, conveniently enough. Um, Daniel and Dr. Lee have been kidnapped by the, uh, by the Nicaraguan rebels and, and Jack is going to go rescue them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get, uh, briefly, we get the Gould, uh, Toth, who's Anubis's thought. <laughs> Yeah, they say Thoth, but it's I think it's yeah. actually pronounced Toth if you're going by the actual pronunciation. But um he's like he's almost like the Igor for uh Anubis. for Anubis. <laughs> like his his weird science assistant and he, he doesn't stick around too long. 
No, I like how Anubis doesn't kill him for his failure. Like immediately, he's he's like you know find the problem because uh, you know Jacob manages to sneak in in the armor. Um, although it's uh, when we see him in the full armor, that's still the stunt performer, not uh, Carmen or Genziano, um in the armor, just because it didn't fit him very well. Mm. But yeah, and so he walks in, and and he's not supposed to be there, but he plays along as the as the call warrior while he starts to get in, you know investigated and stuff. Yeah, he gets to go in the little uh, interrogation regeneration chair. Yep. Which I guess doesn't doesn't register that it's not even a coal. So I it's still a gold, it I guess. So true. That's true. Yeah. And then uh, I do like the scene back on Earth with Jack and General Hammond, where General Hammond's like, "Well, the president will give you one guy to help you. It's you know so and so Burke, and uh, and uh, and then." Jack's like, really? There's no one else? And General Hammond's like, is that a problem? And he's like, no, it's not a problem. That's my uh, Texas accent. So, Do you want <laughs> then, me to say it instead? <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> it sounded more like Dr. Phil there. <laughs> he's from Texas too, though. <laughs> Your biggest problem, Jack, is you. Um, but, and then... <laughs> But yeah, and then, uh, yeah, it's so, so we already know there's some sort of history there that they know each other. And then we, we get there and they have a, they have a scene together. Um, and you could tell, you know, Burke's a little burned out. Um, doesn't, you know, something bad happened where he feels Jack sold him out in a friendly fire incident. Jack, you know, didn't see what happened. And we later learned that, uh, the person who was on this op with, uh, Jack and Burke was actually the one um, selling them out and, you know, came at Burke. Burke didn't realize who it was or did and, and shot him. But Burke, being the good man he is, kept his mouth shut so that his friends, his dead friends who he shot, wife would get the, uh, you know, the, the pension and stuff. But it cost Burke everything. And so he's in this, uh, you know, stuck in Honduras as the CIA's kind of operative there. Yeah. Um, really a good guy. Yeah. And he gets like a cool gun. Yes, with the grenade very, launcher on it. He's yeah. very sarcastic and zany, and yeah, he gets like the Contra Operation Wolf 1980s Rambo gun. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, he gets to use that grenade launcher to, at the end too, which is oh, kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. who's who's the guy from Evil Dead? Yeah, I did appreciate that at the end. Yeah, because <laughs> because Raphael, despite torturing Jack and Doctor Lee with um. Uh, you know, electrodes and a car battery of some. Uh, and uh, yeah, Peter DeLuise did say, he's like, yeah, we left it up to your imagination where he's attaching those electrodes and stuff on the commentary track. But because um, it's Stargate, but he figures they figure out how to turn on the device and turn it on. And they all start to get affected by evil sarcophagus energy, which makes you, um, you know, crazy and irrational. Mm hmm. Yeah, Frank Roman playing playing Raphael, I thought did a, a very um good, funny job as kind of the Nicaraguan, you know, drug lord or rebel type guy. Mm-hmm. Like totally would would fit in in any given MacGyver episode. Um uh I guess the actor himself is is Jewish and Puerto Rican from New York. So hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so he he did a very good job, I think, too, especially as he starts to lose it a little bit and isn't just yeah. eating pineapple mm-hmm. anymore. And he kill he kills one of his men, and then that guy comes back later because the device reanimates dead flesh, mm-hmm. and they shoot him, and then he comes back for a third time, and that's when uh, Burke blows him up with his grenade launcher. Yeah, yeah. So. that was a nice touch. 
yeah. not the grenade launcher, just that it reanimates. So makes you know you think about the super soldiers; they're hard to kill. So so are humans. Yeah. When it's they like a portable, yeah, portable sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will say I was you know going back to the Jack Daniel Jackson being you know we'll say tortured, right? You know we we've seen on screen Teal being tortured. We've seen Jack being tortured. Remember the dripping acid yeah. sideways and right. And then Daniel Jackson, I'll say, gets tortured. But it's just referenced. I but, think it's probably because they were torturing him with a way that people actually get tortured in real life. And I, I do think that this was kind of around the time that all that like there was stuff like that came out about oh, stuff in Iraq. It was yeah, very similar to this. Yeah. So time period. Abu Ghraib. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I, it's, I just, it's you an see, earthly this torture. Is, this is why I need the therapy couch here because I'm like, why does Daniel get off light? <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know, kind if, of yeah. If you go back to when we watched Teal get tortured, I forgot the name of that episode. I'm sorry. Early. It really bothered me. I really, really hated that. And I hated watching him get you know, the whole stuck with the pain stick and, you know, all this stuff. And then, you know, the Abyss episode with Jack and Ball is is really hard to watch again. And here it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. he did, it, I'm sorry, but Daniel didn't really have it that rough. Just saying. And I think probably what happens is you the, te- the people who are like the TV censors, if they see it and it's sci-fi torture that doesn't register for them as something that's horrible. But if they see this guy's getting car batteries clicked to him, they're like, Oh, that's a real thing that happens. That's really awful. We can't show that on TV. Let's not give the the... kids any ideas. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Plus this was, they were on sci-fi now, not on Showtime. I don't think that would have made a difference, but they were also Mm. becoming more and more like a a family, you know, family show. show too. And it it is like it is like sci-fi torture and stuff whereas like you know superhero you can have people get zapped or maimed or killed with superpowers but you can't have someone just pull out a gun and start shooting people mm-hmm. you know yeah. double standards yeah i know <laughs> not not saying i really wanted to see daniel jackson tortured i just i was equal equal treatment that's all i'm going for we get to see him without <laughs> sleeves I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. This felt like, a, you know, we've said it a lot with season seven. Like season seven is very much like, I'm the cool Dr. Jackson. Like I get to lead missions to hostile jungles and like do Indiana Jones things without sleeves. And yeah. Well, when he did have his shirt off, that did get comments from both Peter DeLuise and uh, Amanda Tapping on the commentary track. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, nice. In, in a like, like positive, or which negative? way? Yeah, positive. They are very positive, uh, very positive as to the size of his arms. Okay. So instead of Daniel Jackson, he's Daniel Jackson now. Jackson, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a comment about uh, uh, how Lexa Doig must be taking good care of him or something. I guess they were, <laughs> they were together at this point. Yeah, yeah. nice, but. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and we get a uh, so like right at the end uh, in that that plot with Daniel and Lee, uh, the other three, uh, the like the rebels along with Raphael, they they corner Daniel. They're about to shoot him. Daniel turns around to grab a rock. He hears the guns go off, and then it's Jack coming in to save the day. And it was interesting because Dan, like at that point, Daniel, I guess he was just 
dehydrated and delirious because he like doesn't even really recognize Jack at first and seems very out of it. Yeah, he hadn't had anything to eat or drink like mm-hmm. in three days. And he was right? tortured. Yeah. Yes. In some unspecified <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. The uh, yeah, and that my favorite my favorite of the rebels was was though was the uh, the guy with the sunglasses and the bandana though because he just looked like very Nintendo Entertainment System cool dude like like you would just have him on the cover of your NES game with the sunglasses. Play Contra. Yeah, with his sunglasses <laughs> and bandana. And... I liked um, all the they they really went all out with the effects in this episode uh, mm-hmm. on the planet. Uh, is it? I think it's Tartarus is the name of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we get a lot oh, of cool was... set pieces. We get uh, Anubis doing his evil uh, Emperor Palpatine up on the platform with all his uh coal uh doing like hail anubis so i yeah. like that and i like cool that it's, yeah very space opera uh dramatic which is fun yeah back to the goulds being yeah. over the top right about everything which was nice and we get a call back to jonas quinn because it was um his knowledge of uh pangara and the trutonin experiments they were doing on the gould queen that led Anubis to have this idea of kind of like raising lobotomized Gould who wouldn't think for themselves and would just be mindless drones. And so, you know, which information he got when he used the little uh, spiky ball on Jonas's brain mm-hmm. and stuff. So that was a cool yeah. callback as well. Yeah, we get to we, we we I like that they continue to bring Jonas up at least a few times this season mm-hmm. um, since we miss him. And Anubis's whole uh, reason for doing this is because. As we've been seeing, the Jafar are not as reliable as they once no. were. <laughs> yeah, they're all so, defecting in droves. And... Right. These are basically the Jaffa 2.0. You notice how now when they run into other Jaffa, it's it's almost like, how how could you still be loyal? Like, why yeah. haven't you defected? It's, yeah. you know, it's not the given that they aren't, that, that they can't convince them to leave their master or their god. But now it's almost expected. Like, yeah. how, how are you still there? Everyone well, when, else is doing their own thing now. Yeah, when they're on the planet trying to capture the Cull Warrior, um, ultimately, you know, they're imprisoned by Ramus's people. And Jack goes to work trying to talk to the guard and, and mm-hmm. basically gives him the, the sales pitch. And in the end, it works when he realizes that his god is dead. He's, you know, he says, OK, I'll let you guys out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Just a little bit of a uh, Nietzsche and he was good to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh so there was one scene um and i feel like this will tie into the next next week's episode uh with grace but what when uh sam is getting ready to go on the mission to the planet and dan uh jack is going on his mission they have like they have this little moment where moment. they're like go you're uh you know be safe good luck and there was a connection there, so there was. I like that a moment. I like how you said yes. that. Yeah, Th- those are those little moments. Season seven gives us, you know, before they do bad things to us. They torture us like Daniel Jackson. <laughs> they torture us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they amp up the little Sam Jack ship, and then they like, yeah, rip our hearts out. So anyway, mm. maybe they were testing the waters. Was this like a, maybe they'd put that in there and then see how fan reaction was online and adjust accordingly. I don't 
know. I don't. Well, from from what Joseph Malazzi has told us, I don't know if they ever had the intention of ever getting the characters together. That's true. But they definitely knew there was this huge Sam Jack ship, you know, movement online, which you know mm. I may or may not have been part of. I'm just saying. Um, at that time in 2004, 2003, and so they knew it existed, and I think they liked to. I don't want to say tease it, but they really like to amp it up and, you know, because there were a lot of, I will say in 2003, 2004, during season seven, lots of spoilers. Like you knew things that were happening in episodes before the episode aired. If you were hanging out in forums, just, ah, you know, yeah. right, frequented. So you knew things were happening and I think they, they did all that kind of give us reasons to get excited. Nice. You know. Yeah, so I I do like that. I did like that moment. That was yeah, good. and was I good. liked at the end too. You know where they come all come back together and let's go have lunch. That was mm. nice. Daniel's there on his crutches. Yeah, yeah. Everybody got he was tortured. Pretty, <laughs> he was shot in the leg too. Yeah, that's yeah. True. <laughs> it's that was the running joke on MacGyver too. Is like every every season you'd tally up like. How many times MacGyver got shot, had his back broken, had his arms <laughs> broken or legs broken. And I think over the course of the season, MacGyver gets shot like like nine or ten times or something and and just, you know, is able to walk it off. Where in real life, you know, even a, a bullet wound like that to a non, you know, artery part of your leg would be severely <laughs> crippling. Um, especially if you're shot with an AK. AKs for days, as Burke says. <laughs> I liked Burke. I wish that they had brought him back and they were talking about how they, they wanted to bring him back too. But he just, at that point, you know, he was on just, I think it would have cost too much money, but yeah. Well, and the fact that if you think about it, uh, O'Neill's not in a lot of the episodes very much. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this was on his way out. So that, I mean, I don't, I, I guess that's what I didn't like about it. It's like, I know that we have such little time with him left that why did you, why did you bring in a whole new character when there's so many other really, really great guest stars and, you know, people that you could have matched him up with to go do this. Yeah. I mean, Mayborn's not on Earth anymore. No. That's so, true. That's, yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. And I don't know how many times they can bring Kowalski yeah. back from the dead, but. <laughs> hey, they yeah. have the resurrection box. <laughs> they do. They just like, it's but like it half, could... half head, nearly headless, headless Kowalski. Yeah. I'm nearly headless Kowalski. I'm <laughs> going to help you, they Jack. They found somebody else at yeah. the SGC that we only see everyone. Yeah, Reynolds. We get know. to see Reynolds in this episode. Yeah. It's good to see Reynolds and stuff. And But yeah, they could have brought back the colonel from, uh, you know, Enemy Mine, uh, who was played by uh, Londo or whatever. They, not Londo, mm -hmm. but, you know, Windu or this guy from uh, Galaxy, not not Galaxy Quest, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Lond oh, Lant. I was going to say Landry, but that's the evil yeah. computer. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, whatever. We know who we're talking about. The Colonel guy. The like, blue guy from yeah. Marvel. <laughs> yeah, Windu. Or yeah, one of the blue guys. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this episode? No, I, I like it. It's action-packed, and it's got cool technology and, and shooty bits and stuff. So, Yeah. Have we changed your opinion, Lisa? You know, there's more to like than not like, I guess. It's just, I think that I'd forgotten this was a two-parter. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> It's still going. 
<laughs> Can we not have wrapped this up already? I don't know. There's just certain things. I, I didn't really love all the trekking through the jungle. I guess that part doesn't feel like Stargate, or maybe it's because Jack wasn't there for half of it. I don't know. I I like team interaction. But yeah. I, I didn't say any episode that has Braytac and um, Jacob. I love. And I guess I just missed... I don't know. There's something about Jack, especially interacting with them, that would have been more fun if they'd been on. He'd been on that mission rather than traipsing through the woods with some guy I don't care about. Not Daniel Jackson. I mean the Burke. Yeah, Burke. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Burke was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he can dig that station. I forgot yeah. to mention my favorite part of this episode, which is something that uh, Robert C. Cooper apparently added in. But so how are you going to defeat this? They're, they're, you know, escaping from they've blown up the symbiote tank. They've discovered that Anubis has legions of these call warriors. One of them is chasing Braytac, Jacob and, and Sam and Teal'c out to their um, uh, bomber ship. And, and he gets into the cargo hold and he like knocks them all down. That's how Carter gets his her arm broken. And like, how are they going to like, you know, get rid of them? And Braytech just operates the ring transporter. And we get this great shot of the outside of the ship and the rings come down as they're flying and there's nothing underneath them. So the rings are just hovering there for a second. And then the rings like fly away and the call warrior goes, it was like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I like that moment. Yeah. It's worth watching just to see like the call warrior go, woo, like a Looney Tunes cartoon yeah. off the screen. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I like that. And so do they have to get new rings, I guess, for that ship? Is it? Yeah, I think that you only get the one set. <laughs> There's not a sp- backup. In yeah. the- you don't get like They're a donut big. version. Yeah, right. Yeah. Inflatable, like a, like a, like yeah. a little donut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, I forgot that part. That was, that was fun. It was a yeah. good creative way to kill the villain other than just shooting him multiple times, which doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-mm. Awesome. Uh, do we have any alternate language titles for this episode? Um, certainly not for part two because they would be, you know, they didn't have as much freedom over how they named part two once they'd named part one. But uh, it was evolution in most languages. In French, though, we get uh, La Fontaine de Juvence, which is the Fountain of Youth, part one and two. Hmm. But everyone else, it's, you know, Evolutione or something. You know? <laughs> So it sounds like the French were the only ones who wanted to put the emphasis on that plot rather than the coal plot. Yeah. I dig it. Awesome. Uh, Before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secret to Stargate, including Mark W., Philip F., Colin H., Eric T., and Robert D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secret to Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you can find the video versions at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send us feedback, you can visit sqpn.com slash stargate, and you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com and follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also check out the Discord at sqpn.com slash Discord. And we'll be back next time, and we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1. Right! Okay, sure. <laughs> Until then, uh, Lisa Jones, thank you for joining me in sharing the secret to Stargate. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you, too. Thanks, Jack, and I love American gum. 
good guys. That's right. Uh, get some uh, double bubble up in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I'm Jack Berzini. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Sacred Art. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at starquest.fm slash art.